Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study in the book of Philippians called Finding Joy. We're in Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 with a message from Dan Abbott, The Life and Work of Jesus. We begin today's message with an introduction from Pastor Joel. We come to a very um, a very known passage in Philippians 2 this morning that Dan's going to preach on. Uh, and there's something going on in Philippians 2 that seems familiar and it seems rich and deep. Uh, but I think it reflects back to even some early church, uh, early church things that they, when they gathered together as an early church on a Sunday, because it was the day that Jesus resurrected and they wanted to remember that and live in that uh, fact, they got together and brick after brick, every Sunday they would worship, they would hear the teachings, they would hear the readings, uh, they would give the, the kiss of fellowship together. We won't be doing that this morning unless it's your family, uh, and just the fellowship time and, and to say the amens. But then as they're teaching together, they, they came up with these, like, um, they called the rule of, rule of faith. It was, it was kind of like a creed, like early creeds of like, what is, what is it at the core of what we uh, believe and do? So let me, let me read one of the early uh, rules of faith uh, for us. This is what the early church would get together and they would say these things and remind them of what's the core uh, of what we believe. And we're going to hear some of that this morning from Philippians 2 as well. But this is the rule of faith. Says, I believe in God the Father Almighty and in Christ Jesus, his only Son, our Lord, who was born from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, who under Pontius Pilate was crucified and buried, and on the third day rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, whence he will come to judge the living and the dead, and in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the remission of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and also life everlasting. And so as they heard the teachings, as they gathered together as a people, a community of Jesus followers uh, with the teachings, they would... They would they would kind of set the teachings to those core tenets of the rules uh, of faith. And this morning, we have the privilege of having Dan uh, come. Uh, Dan was, uh, he's just been a good friend, and he's been around here. Uh, his wife is actually up at the retreat, investing in all those girls up there uh, as well. Uh, so I'm going to pray for him and invite him uh, to come on uh, up. It's so, it's so good for us as a community of Jesus followers to hear different perspectives from different people as well. So I'm excited for what you have to, sh to share with us this morning. Lord, thanks for Dan. Thanks for his family. Thanks for his, his wife and how she's been in just pouring her life out this weekend. Uh, I want to pray uh, for all those youth as they finish up uh, that time up there that you would be working and moving uh, that you would be calling them to yourselves. And even from that group, um, there would be somebody who may even take the first step of faith and go, I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole life. Lord, that there may be others that would go, uh, just sense the calling into maybe even uh, missionary work overseas or, um, Lord, just a deeper uh, faith in you. And Lord, as we gather, we're all growing and learning too. So Lord, would you help us as we 
uh, listen to your words through your servant Dan to us this morning. Would you convict us? Would you challenge us? Would you open our eyes that we could see what you'd have for us? Open our ears that we would hear you speak. That you would you would send the Spirit to to quicken our hearts so that we would uh, come as we are, but we wouldn't leave the same way we came. We'd be more in love with you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right, Dan. Well, good morning, Hollyview. It's pretty good. All right. I am, as always, excited to be here with you this morning, being able to bring the message, uh, Philippians chapter 2. If you remember, uh, Joel just finished up uh, chapter 1, and so we'll be taking a look at verses 1 through 11. And so I'm just going to jump right into it. So if you are able, I would ask that you would stand with me as we read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful uh, to be here in your presence this morning that you dwell in us and around us, and that we get to do this life with you, and we get to do this life together in community. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in such a way that we would hear from you loud and clear today. The words that you want us to hear, they would speak to our hearts, they would change us, they would transform us, and they would draw us closer to you and closer together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So sometime around, I think it was 2015, a friend of our family asked us if we would like to go to Israel to help pastor an international church. And of course, we said yes, right? Why not? The idea was that our friend was also working with another another ministry there. He was an elder of the church, but he, he found that there wasn't much time for him or other elders to visit other people in the church. And so we asked, our main role would be to go down there and to visit with as many people as we could while we were there. Now the church was probably about 50 or 60 people or so. And so there was opportunity to preach on, on Shabbat, but the main role was to visit with everybody. And we loved this experience. We were there for about three and a half months being able to go into people's homes and to hear their story, to really hear the story of Jesus in their life, how it is that they came to Israel, because like I said, it was an international church. And so we saw and met with people from 
all different places in the world, whether they were from Burma or the Philippines. Uh, we met with a, uh, with a couple uh, who was a Jewish man and a Scottish believer, like in their home, being able to pray with them and to be a part of their lives and to hear and just to see how much God was doing. And it's interesting because if you take just people from all over the world and you bring them into one spot, right? It's just like, what do they really have in common? Of course they came, right, to Israel. They have that in common. But outside of that, they're doing different things. Life is different for them. Their culture is different for them. Their backgrounds are different. But the one thing that we found at this church that brought them together was their faith in Jesus. It's amazing. It's such an amazing picture of the gospel. Nations coming together from all over the world to worship together. And then, of course, you've got to remember the, uh, the Filipinos would always do this potluck after church, which, I mean, outside of Jesus, food is the next thing that brings people together, right? But you could see them getting to know each other, just building that relationship. There was this amazing unity amongst these believers that was just incredible because of their faith in the work of Jesus in their lives. And in the same way, this morning, we will see that because of the life and work of Jesus, unity is possible through what we share as a community of Jesus followers. And now I know you might be thinking, is unity really possible? Isn't unity really just a lofty goal, something to strive for but not really attainable today? Maybe you hope for unity in the new heavens and the new earth but the reality doesn't really just seem possible right now. This morning, we are going to see that unity is made possible because of the life and work of Jesus through our shared experience in Christ, our shared blessings in Christ, our shared service to one another, and our shared example of Christ. So before I jump into the passage itself, I want to give you a little bit of background, okay? We heard about this a little bit as Joel introduced the book, but I want to go back to Acts 16, where Paul is, receives this vision of a Macedonian man who is crying out for help. And so Paul says, this is where we need to go to preach the gospel. And so he enters into Philippi. And accustomed to Paul, he's looking for other believers in God, the God of Abraham, a God-fearer, as he calls it, and so that he can preach the gospel to them. And what he finds is he finds a group of women praying by a river, and we know that at least one of those women, Lydia, gave her life to Jesus, and her entire household was baptized. The next thing we hear is that there's a slave girl running through the streets, yelling certain things, and Paul says, this girl has a spirit of divinity and cast the spirit out of her. Now, do we know if she's a part of the church in Philippi? No, we don't. We don't. But potentially, out of that experience, she may be a part of the church. And now the third thing that we hear in Acts 16 is about the Roman guard. Now, the Roman guard, right? Paul and Silas are in prison for preaching the gospel. The Roman guard is supposed to be washing them. There's this huge earthquake that takes place, and it wakes them up from the sleep. And he thinks that none of the prisoners are there anymore. And what he decides to do is that he is so ashamed that he's going to fall on his sword and die. But before he does that, Paul stops him and gives him the message of salvation. And him and his household is also saved. So here we have the beginnings 
of the church in Philippi, with Lydia, a God-fearer, a slave girl who had a spirit of divinity cast out, and a Roman guard who was about to kill himself. I mean, it kind of sounds like a bad joke in the making, right? (laughs) Three people who seemingly have nothing in common until they put their faith in Jesus. Since then, it has been about 10 years since the start of the church. And we know that the church has grown, but I bet it continued to have people from a wide variety of backgrounds, social status, ethnicity, sin that they were carrying in their life, upbringing, you name it. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel unfolding. From the outside, you might see a group of people who normally would have nothing to do with each other, and yet, from the inside, you would see that they had been changed from putting their faith in Jesus. I think this is what Paul is getting at here in the first verses of Philippians 2, and brings us to our first point that unity is made possible because of the life and work of Jesus through our shared experience. Verse 1 says this, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. What Paul is doing here is that he's starting with a series of rhetorical questions. That should be read more like since statements. Since you are encouraged in Christ, I know you, I've been there, I've seen what God has been doing, you are these things, you have experienced these things. He is reminding them of what brought them together in the first place. And this is the work of Jesus in their lives. And not not only their salvation story, which is amazing on its own, but it it has been a number of years since Paul was there. The church has grown, the varying testimonies of how God has moved, not only in the individual's life, but as a community of Jesus followers. Since you all share in this experience, these experiences on their own bind you together. One heart, one mind, one spirit. You are eternally united. You have shared, you have a shared experience in the blessings that you have in Christ. We each have experienced a new identity in Christ, seated, right, in the heavenly realms with Christ. A deep love from God, the Spirit of God living in us and around us. And that overwhelming forgiveness, right, that we have received and continue to receive as we experience the mercy of God in our lives. And I know that each of us, each of us have different stories of how it is that we came to faith. Right? Each of us have different stories as to how we came to Hollyview. We all have a wide variety of backgrounds, but we all share in the work of Jesus in our lives, which at the heart of it all is why we gather together and why we do life together. I think Paul is using verse 1 in, an, in a reflective way. And to make sure that the readers are reminded that Jesus has and is doing an amazing work amongst the believers in Philippi. He he wants them to have this. He wants them to be focused on this as he moves through the next flow of thought in verse 2, right? Paul continues this flow of thought 
as we see what it looks like to share in the blessings of Christ. Verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Now this lines up so well with verse 1. And you think, well, obviously it's the next verse, right? But if you were to take the first four things that Paul mentions in verse 1, and you line them up with the first four things, right? The four things that he does in verse 2. You'll see this diagram up here that I created um, on the slide that really actually aligns it really well together. When he's talking about the same mind, he's talking about that encouragement in Christ. Who are we in Christ? When, when you hear the word mind, you're thinking, what am I thinking about most of the time? Am I thinking about who I am in Christ? And don't forget, this is about community, right? It's the unity amongst this community that he wants, that he's speaking to. So it's not just about me and who I am in Christ, but it's about you and who it is that you are in Christ. This is what he wants us to have on our minds. We, as people, are very forgetful. It's so easy to forget these truths. That's why we gather together every Sunday. That's why we do Bible studies, right? Because we need to be reminded of these truths, of what it is that Jesus did and who we are now that we have put our faith in him. And to be able to have the opportunity to call that out in others. How encouraging that is. You know, I remember when I, when I first became a Christian, right? I was overseas, and then I came back home. I was there for like a few months, right? And I just started just going back into the same like thought processes that I had before I became a Christian. I started going back with the, the same things that I didn't want to do, but I was still doing, right? I was, I was so discouraged. And honestly, it's, a lot of it had to do with that I didn't have a community around me to be able to speak into my life. And God knew that. And so what God did is he brought somebody outside of the community to speak into my life. And so there I was in the grocery store just shopping. And I look up and this woman, you know, she's looking right at me, right? She's like in her 50s. And you can tell that she's going to say something to me. And she walks up to me and she looks me just dead in the eye. And she says, I want you to know that I can tell that the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And in that moment, with how discouraged I was, it was exactly what I needed to hear. I could have dropped down crying right there. But that's how amazing it is that God loves us so much, right, that he would send somebody to encourage me in that moment. We are a church of Jesus followers. How cool is it that we have the opportunity to continuously encourage each other in who we are in Christ? Now, comfort from love, right? Have the same love. The same love that you experience from God, pour out on to others. Right? 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. The same love that God showed us, we are supposed to show each other. Right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's almost like this, I can, I can see this picture of somebody just kind of like sitting in their mess, right? They're just sitting down in a mud puddle, and someone comes along, and you know what they decide to do? They decide to just sit in that mud puddle with them. Put their arm around them, see what's going on. Don't say, what, you know, you could clean yourself up right now, right? No, they're just sitting in it with them. And I got to tell you, so the person who has taught me this the most 
is my middle son, Everett. Okay? Uh, many of you know Jesse was, had been diagnosed with leukemia a number of years ago. And something about Everett, ever since he was little, he just seems to know what it is that he, that he knows what someone's feeling. And he knows that he can just sit by them. And so this picture right here is Jesse just got back from some treatment. And Everett, he's two, okay? He's only two years old. And he, uh... he sees Jesse outside discouraged. And so he just walks over in his two-year-old steps and hugs him, right? And then he sits with him. He puts his arm around him and says nothing at all. This is the picture of comforting someone with the love of God. Just sitting with them in their mess. It doesn't have to be in the mess of sin. It just be the circumstances of life that you find somebody in. And we get to do that as a church of Jesus followers. Participation in the Spirit. Full accord. Being led by the Spirit together. This idea of full accord being in agreement with one another. Praying in the Spirit together. Hearing from one Spirit to be in agreement with what God is doing. It's really the, it's the practice of aligning our hearts together with God's heart. When we move, we move together. You know, I mentioned earlier that we had been asked to go to, to Israel to help pastor an international church, right? Well, I didn't tell you that we had been asked about a year and a half ago to go. And I was super excited about going. I thought this was the best idea ever. Ann and I had just gotten married. We didn't have any kids. I said, let's go. And Anna's like, I don't know if this is the right move right now. It wasn't like she was saying, no, I don't want to go at all. But she seemed to say, I just don't think it's the right, the right time. Okay, my, my, uh, my MO is to move and to move fast and to do things as quickly as possible, right? So I had to step back and say, okay. So we continue to think about it and pray about it. And it was actually around after Jesse was born, he was about three months old, she says to me one day, she says, you know what? I think, it's, I think we should go to Israel right now. I said, you want to go to Israel now after you just had a baby? And she goes, yeah, I think it's the, I think it's the right time. And, I was, and I'm still going to say yes, right? So I said, okay, let's do this. And I, and I have to tell you, though, if uh, having Jesse at that time was instrumental in how it was that we were able to interact with people that we were meeting with. I mean, this is just a picture of him on the street with a lady looking at him, and he just, I mean, with the blonde hair and the blue eyes, I mean, even on the airplane on the way there, we could just pass him, and he just went around the whole airplane, <laughs> eventually just came on back. It was awesome, you know, but, and even just Israelis in general have just a heart and passion for children, and then just culturally, right around the world, people love kids, and so being able to bring him into their homes, and he was just like the highlight of the conversation, it really opened the doors. But Anna and I, we had to be on the same page, and it was amazing how God honored that to be able to use him in such a way to be able to speak into other people's lives. Affection and sympathy, one mind, it can also be translated as compassion and mercy. Have this mind among you, right? Like we said, be thinking about these things. Just as God has shown mercy, how he has forgiven you, you in turn can forgive those around you. I got to tell you that unforgiveness 
can be one of the most destructive things in a person's life. It like literally breeds bitterness, anger, hate, strife. It will actually weigh on you. I've had moments where, where if I didn't forgive somebody or I didn't ask for forgiveness, I've had, I've had dreams of like, you need to be doing this thing. And it's just, it's just there. And if I don't do it, it's always there. If we don't step out, and I, and I know it's hard, right? I really believe that forgiveness is a supernatural act of God that he allows us to be able to forgive somebody and to be forgiven. Whether it's somebody that you need to forgive, or maybe it's yourself that you need to forgive. This is so important for us to be able to, to, to walk in this freedom of who we are in Christ. Otherwise, it just holds on to us. I'd just like to say, if there's, if there's anybody on your mind right now that you're like, you know what, I need to forgive them, or I need to ask for forgiveness, do it. It's worth it. It's amazing how light you feel and how you can walk in this freedom that Christ has for you. The reality is that to be effective in any of these areas, we need to be thinking about others and not ourselves, which moves us along into how unity is made possible through sharing in the serving of one another. Let's read verses 3 through 4. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. A little bit of cultural background here. The culture during the time that this was written was actually pretty similar to our culture today. Varying aspects that are similar to our culture today. In the Roman culture of the day, people were very status conscious. Where do I fit into this society as a whole? And where do I fit into my community that I am participating in as well? Now, there was this emphasis and this drive to be elevated to the highest status or to hold the highest honor. It is said that on a person's gravestone, there would actually be an inscription of where they started out in society and then where they ended up. So-and-so was born a slave, but then they became a business owner. Something like that, right? But it was so status conscious that even as you're, you've already left, what did you do with your life? They were always trying to get further up on the cultural ladder. I mean, it was engraved into them. Now, if you recall, in Philippians 1.17, Paul addresses something that is going on among the believers. It says that, For the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. The same exact word that is used here in verse 3 of chapter 2. There are some who are trying to elevate themselves rather than Christ. Even Paul is writing from prison. He knows the way that they're thinking, right? And he's saying, you're going to think that I'm ashamed being in jail right now. But I need to tell you, because I am here, Christ is being exalted. The gospel is being proclaimed to everybody that I'm talking to. See, what happens, though, is that people are singling themselves out, saying, look at all that I am doing, rather than saying, look at all that Christ is doing. You know, in our culture today, 
We are surrounded by the Jeff Bezos, Zuckerbergs, Elon Musks. The stories that we elevate are the ones where somebody starts out at the bottom of society and works, them way, works themselves up to the top. The reward being wealth, prosperity, and fame, right? That's the ultimate goal. The idea that everyone would know my name because of how hard I worked and how amazing I am. The underlying message is this, that I need to look out for numero uno and make sure that I'm getting ahead of the next person that comes my way or getting ahead of the next person that gets in my way. And so for us as well, right, this message is completely countercultural that Paul is giving. Instead of working our way to the top, we're supposed to be working our way to the bottom, so to speak, to get as low as possible in order to lift those up around us, right, to serve those around us. And i got to tell you, it takes work. I would say that it actually takes more work to actively choose to humble ourselves than it does to work towards elevating ourselves or working to that fame, prosperity, and wealth. It's not something that, that we just wake up one day and have perfected. But as we work at it in community, in a sense, we are not competing for who is the greatest, but we are actually competing for who is the least. But in order for us to work on this, it has to be in community. C.S. Lewis says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. We're not supposed to be beating ourselves up about what we're not or the hair we're losing. It's not that. Thinking about ourselves less. <laughs> yeah. I think Paul is gradually bringing the readers lower and lower, humbling them as he writes, beginning with the reminder of who they are in Christ, starting by speaking to the individual, but at the same time beginning this idea of sharing in this experience that unites us. Seated with him in the heavenly realms, with the love of God lavished upon them, full of the Holy Spirit, surrounded by God and fully forgiven by God. That's where he starts it. The spiritual position that you are in right now is far better than any physical position they could have found themselves in. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you are alive with Christ, seated with him in the heavenly realms with the love of God. From the lowest point to the highest point. And although spiritually, this is our identity right now, Right? Physically, our response is to, is to be in humility and lower ourselves. He then kind of takes another step down. Right, He brings them a bit lower with this picture of a community of Jesus followers actively pouring out these blessings of Jesus on each other. Sharing in these blessings with one another. It's not for you to hold on to yourself, but it is for you to give to those around you. Then he takes another step down. Then a little further with this idea of serving one another by actually coming under someone else and lifting them up rather than lifting themselves up. And by lifting one another up, you are actually exalting Christ 
rather than exalting yourself. The act of us serving each other is a picture of Jesus. These verses are about surrendering our own, our own wants, our desires, ambitions, thoughts, ideas. Literally emptying ourselves and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us up. Are you beginning to see the picture here? He's painting a picture. Paul is building up to his example of Christ. Or better yet, Paul is building us down to his example of Christ. The one who has encompassed all of this, who we can look to as our example of how to live this out, as we look to our shared example of Christ. Let's read verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is like twofold. This is, this is ours because we are in Christ, but this is the mindset that Christ had. That's what Paul wants you to know. This, this mindset, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I've read these verses so many times in this past week. And every time I read it, you're just, you're, just, you're just like rooting for Jesus, right? You're just in awe of who this man is and where he came from, what he's done, and where he is right now. And you're just like, this is amazing. Just inside, right? Your spirit's like, yes. And the reason why is because Jesus is the God who spoke everything into existence. The God who hand-knitted you together in your mother's womb. The eternal God who is outside of time and space chose to step down and enter into time and space. Colossians says that he is the image of the invisible God. And for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is fully God and he is fully man. Another supernatural act of God. Even though he was fully God, he chose to, to empty himself of all of his divine rights, laying them before God the Father and saying, not my will, but yours be done. As he stepped down and lived out a servant's life and continued to lower himself more and more from heaven to earth, serving God for the sake of humankind, obedient to everything that God had for him to accomplish to the point of death. And, and not while he was old and sleeping kind of death, but on a cross, the most humiliating and gruesome death possible. And then, even lower, buried in a tomb, from the highest heights to the lowest point possible. And it is because of this that God raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, and gave him the name that is above every name. The complete opposite of how you think you would do it, right? 
He lowered himself completely. And that's when God exalted him to the highest possible place. You want a name for yourself? In the kingdom of God, lower yourself. Get as low as possible. And Jesus has paved the way for anybody. Jesus has paved the way for anybody who believes these things to be raised from the dead spiritually now and physically later. I think that verse 11 might be my favorite verse in this. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For what purpose? To the glory of God the Father. Even in the exaltation of Jesus, the Father is being glorified. The greatest picture of unity in community is the Trinity. It's almost as if they are, are competing to exalting for exalting one another. I mean, the Spirit, right, is always pointing to Jesus. Look at Jesus, the one who saves the world. And then Jesus, right, I am here so you may see the Father. Look at my Father. He is amazing. And then the Father, right, this is my Son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. I mean, it's really like this amazing dance that's going on where, where one is coming to the other and lifting the other one up just as the other one is coming and lifting the other up. It's like this amazing like aroma going up to the heavens as, they, as we see them interact here, lifting each other up continuously. This is the picture that we should have in our mind when thinking about what unity in community looks like. I mean, what could this look like here at Hollyview? First of all, I want to encourage, I want to encourage you this morning, okay? Hollyview is one of the most welcoming churches, right? We hear countless stories of people walking through the doors and immediately, right, feeling that sense of home. This is where I am supposed to be. But how low can we go as a church? What if you walked through these doors and you didn't think about, I wonder if that message is going to be any good today, or I hope that worship service is amazing but what if you thought to yourself, who is somebody that I can encourage today? Who can I call out the work that Jesus is doing in their life today? I was thinking about this as, I, as I've been writing this message, and I was thinking about Kendra Kanzler, right? She was up here the other day, and she was just, just exuding the excitement of reading the Bible, right? I mean, she stepped out in faith to speak in front of everybody, and she was like, I love the Bible so much. It's changed my life. And I'm sitting there like, I want to read the Bible more. Or Tony. I've met up with Tony a few times. And he just like, it's just amazing to me to be able to see how he brings just the joy and generosity of Jesus in his life. If you haven't met Ethan Zimmerman, he has such a heart for people and building relationships with people. What if we walked into this place and looked for somebody to encourage, to build up, to come under and lift up? I encourage you this week to be thinking and praying about somebody that you can call or text, somebody you can take out to coffee, invite into your home, 
and to be able to just speak into their lives to encourage them. And really what this is, when we do this, this is a reflection of Jesus. And as we have this reflection of Jesus, Christ is exalted. So imagine if we did this in coffee shops or restaurants, whatever it is, people can overhear and see how it is that we treat one another. I think it would be amazing to see how God would be able to use that and use us as a community of Jesus followers. Let's pray. Father, again, we are so grateful to be here together in community, Lord, that this relationship with you cannot really fully happen without one another. And so I pray, Lord, that for Hollyview, that we would draw closer together, that we would be able to speak into each other's lives, that we would be able to call out the things that you are doing, Lord, that we would not be at, get stuck in the moment, Lord, or, or backtrack, God, that we, you would use us to be able to help people to move forward in their relationship with you. We thank you for the work that you are already doing here, God, that this is such a community, Lord, that it is home for so many of us. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to how it is that we can go lower with you, how we can serve one another in a deeper and more powerful way, Lord. And so we want to give you this church, each person in it, and Lord, we want to say, let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Dan, thanks for the message. I remember early on as a kid, someone told me, everyone's asking the same two questions. Uh, Am I doing okay? And do you like me? And we walk around this world and everyone's asking internally, am I doing okay? Do you like me? And everyone's asking that. And as believers, we're the ones that can answer that because of Jesus is like, yes, I purchased you. I've given you freedom and forgiveness. You, You can pour out your life to another pe- uh, person. Uh, somebody else a little bit later on in my life told me, and this may be even more simple, there's two types of people. Uh, there's one person that walks into the room and goes, here I am. And the other person that walks into the room and goes, there you are. Let's be there you are people because of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, I'd like to just uh, close with another of Paul's letters. First uh, Corinthians 1 and verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the name above all names, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would fill us up so much that we're we're spilling over to other people. That because of our relationship with you, Lord, we can be people of confidence and love, and we can see people. We can see when people are sitting in grief and sorrow, and we can be like that picture of Everett and just come up and sit next to them. That we can give them the comfort and love and hope that we have in you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be a church like that. We would be believers Uh, like that, that are a light to this world. And Lord, now may your face shine upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel. 
rooted in God's Word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.